Welcome to the Jewelers Podcast, the podcast that talks to jewelers, retailers, and industry supporters about their experiences and insights into the jewelry industry. Jewelers Podcast is brought to you by the sponsors of the Jewelry Industry Virtual Fair. Grab your tickets today at www.jewelryindustryfair.com, going live on the 11th to the 13th of March. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Jewelers Podcast. Today we have jeweler, gem setter, and now gem cutter, Michael Marisol from Marazzo Jewelers. So welcome to the podcast, Michael. Thank you, Brett. Thank you. Thank you for having me also. It's, uh, I've been, I've been uh, keen to get on. I thought, how do I get on this jewelers podcast? I said, you know what, just go direct to the source. Go, Brett, if you got an opening, I'm in, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Send us an email, contact us. Anybody else that's interested, that's send us an email. That's it. Don't <laughs> muck around. Just, just you don't ask, you don't get, they say, right? That's right. That's right. And, and so where do we find you today, Michael? It looks like you're in your workshop by the, the background I can see there. Yeah. So in the workshop, uh, tinkering away, mate, I, you know, I'll give you, I'll do a little spin because it's good being on a uh, bit of a spinning style chair. So you can see there... Uh, um, it's a big workshop. It is quite a nice space. Yeah, look, at, Laura, to be honest, I was, I, was sitting in a, I was sitting in a workshop in the back of my garage for so many years that when I got to the point of, uh, you know, really opening up that Marazzo store, the workshop was the heart of it. I said, you know, I, I want to be able to swing a cat in this thing and, you know, um, yeah. what's the word, you know, be, be able to move around and have that freedom of space. But, um, look, the, the key thing I wanted to do is basically have each station because I am really multi-skilling on, on, on different levels uh, to be separate uh, so I can be in the zone in one sort of spot of it, uh, then flip over and, you know, just not be cluttered with all the, the, multi, the different tools uh, running off different benches. No, it's look, it looks gorgeous. You, you could certainly swing a tiger in there. It's, it's, uh, it's <laughs> bigger than a cat's face. So, yeah, it looks, looks great and, and makes it a very um, easy plan to work with if you've got a station for each, each um, job, really. Yeah, no, definitely. That's it. So, yeah, no, look, it, it's good. Uh, I'm happy. I'm a, I am a bit spoiled, but, hey, uh, 21 years running at this game, uh, I think I deserve a nice deserve workshop it. of my dreams <laughs> by the end of it all, right? That's it, 100%. Hey. Yeah, 100%. And how long have you been in the workshop now? It must be about five years, is it? Yeah, so, um, look, I, I've been two years in, in this space. So we launched um, Marat um, two years ago. Uh, prior to that... Uh, I left working for a company, York Jewelers, out of Penrith. So that was sort of where I capped off. I took that leap um, to basically, you know, say I wanted to have a, a crack out in the industry on my own. Uh, I think the hardest part was, though, is where do you start? Mm. You know, I think uh, basically you, I worked 16 years working for other companies, uh, you know, before I, I branched out on my own and, you know, you really have to have that transition from bench jeweler headspace to saying, well, if I want to go down the sort of retail road game, you know, start pushing to the public, that side of it, you know, there's no real starting plan. I think, uh, I think the biggest thing that I, I found challenging was, you know, you only really have the bigger jewelers, successful jewelers, people that have gone through that initial startup growing stage to look up to. And you never hear their beginning story and, you know, those initial struggles to get the business off the ground. That's really true. And, and some of those brands, they, they are so big and, and very much aspirational for everybody that they're looking up to them. But you, it's hard to, it is hard to hear from them. So, um, you know, there's so yeah. many people that are in your position, I think. So it's great to hear your story. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, look, 
So five years ago, I did start Marazzo. I branched out. Um, I did. Uh, I, I, I by that time, sixteen years, I had a you know a full home setup, so I was fully equipped. Most of the tooling that you see here is you know from that setup. But uh, I, I sort of branched out. Did a bit of contract work at that that period of time. Uh, you know that was always pretty readily available. You know, sixteen years being able to make and set. I was the contract worker's uh, dream. You know, like companies would send me the stones, send me the gold if need be, sometimes not. And they'd basically, uh, you know, get a finished product, rodent plated, ready to slap in a box and, you know, give to their, give to their customer. So, you know, that was, it. it was pretty much a lot of work out there, but look, I ran for it for about 10 months running from home like that. And, you know, I had that, that sort of thought in my head. I was like, well, you know, I sort of left working for people um, to want to go out and, you know, push, you know, my own thing. And then you sort of find yourself in, your own space again you're still sort of working from people just you know in your shorts flip-flops and a singlet most of the time you know <laughs> so you know I, I had that little thought and I thought well geez I want to go out open a shop do that sort of thing and you know look they say behind every uh, great man is an even smarter greater woman I'll give that and my wife <laughs> said well babe what's the point why do you want to go open up a retail um space you know it's a lot of outlay you know you're only a fresh business you don't have the clientele yet all that sort of flip side. And, um, you know, she said, well, why don't you just sort of step in lightly, um, you know, do rent a space. Uh, I, I was based out Western Sydney and the sort of closest hub at that point was uh, Parramatta. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I found a, a nice clean little office space uh, that was separate away from the house, uh, obviously. Uh, so when retail clientele, I could advertise um, and basically, I could have a space for people to meet me, obviously, for security reasons. Uh, you know, there's a lot of jewelers that mm. operate out of home, little kids, you know, it's created security risk. And, you know, knock on wood, uh, nothing ever happened on that level. But, you know, God forbid you ever have someone come into your house and, you know, you find yourself in one of those hard situations. So, 100%. yeah. What were the first steps that you took then to, to find your retail space and to start your business did you obviously the jewelry side you had covered what were the first yeah. things that you covered when you were starting the business yeah so uh look first things to cover look uh, i think the first 10 months were you know being in business wrapping your head around obviously uh you know your taxes you, you know running bass you know paying yourself you know the, all these sort of ventures i think look five years for me i've done 16 years of my jewelry apprenticeship running through where I'll tell you what, when I left working for people, I had my manufacturing skills well on the way. But then you step out and then you find yourself, uh, you know, swimming like a you know, a little fish with your legs going crazy under the water because there's so much to relearn again. Um, I think where people don't realise, you know, you work in-house, working on a bench for people, you know, you never actually feel and see that business side and behind the scenes. It, it's a whole other different world. Um, you know, you've got to go from just what's in a box in front of you to basically shivers, uh, you know, insurances and oh, it, it just never ended so look yeah, the first ended. 10 months was basically wrapping my head around that well yeah. it never ends i've got to tell you it still doesn't it's just five years down the track the challenges are just bigger you know but um on basis of so um i'll put it out uh, so it was 10 months in i got this static office of Parramatta. what that gave me the um ability to do was to advertise via social media really get behind it um and start building up that clientele base people seeing the work coming through building that reputation um, where, you know, I had people coming to it, you know, it was a hard sell, don't get me wrong. How many times I've got new clientele running through and they were just going, you know, okay, we're here, look, look, waiting to walk into a shop. 
see stock all this stuff and then they'd walk into a little office space and the natural thing they were saying was geez you know you a jeweler i'm like yeah i'm a jeweler you know i've been doing this for 16 <laughs> years like man i make whatever you want it's going to be amazing you know so i really had to I'll tell you what, having that office space for, you know, two years, it got me learning how to sell up really well, sell myself really well and sell my product really well because it was really uh, branching away from that perspective of how people were seeing the advertisement. Um, so, yeah, that was great. But then, look, that was a, towards the end of it, you know, two years down the track, clientele built through, you know, had some said new clientele, old clientele. It was sort of at that branching point where I was like, well, I'm losing time running backwards and forwards from home base to office for appointments. Uh, spoke to my wife once again, the, the, the consultant, the, the private, the solid Yeah, this is it. And, you know, we looked at it then and we sort of basically said, well, you know, um, we're ready for that next step. Uh, this space came up. Uh, it was a brand, brand new space. Uh, it was an empty uh, canvas and, you know, things happen very quick offline in business. You know, you just sit there, the opportunities come. Once you need it, uh, the opportunities in front of you. And we jumped on board with this. So two years down the track, I've got a beautiful workshop in-house. I've got my consulting room. I've got my retail space. It's everything I could dream for for 21 years. Um, it's a jeweler's dream. It has everything in this workshop. You can't make a piece of jewelry in this workshop. You don't, you don't know what you're doing. You know right? what you're doing. <laughs> That's it, you know. But um, yeah, beyond that, look, it's been a, it's been a fun run. But look, I, I think for 21 years basing at this, I think the the most exciting thing I find about my career running is how many times I feel like I've evolved as a craftsman. Yeah, great. Uh, I think the evolving of a craftsman has become through learning new skills. So based based around that, I think I started off as a you know a handmade jeweler, and that's basically all I did for the first I'd say thirteen years of my career. You know, um, which don't mm. get me wrong, amazing. I, I believe I've worked under some of the best jewelers in the country. You know, second generation, amazing things. Uh, you know, I could go to my story behind this. I love my story. You know, like a fifteen <laughs> year old boy to today. I got to say, it's like uh, I feel like the jewelry industry's raised me as a human being. You know, yeah. like yeah, a real you know influential young kid that uh, you know has seen the worst of it, but also seen the best of it. Where you know people have really taken me under their wing, you know, seen me for who I am, the potential I have, and given everything to me that they can uh, for me to come out the other side. So you know, look, at, at the main thing is I have a lot of people to to thank for my career. You know. Um, yeah, there are a lot of really amazing mm. gems in the industry, isn't there, that, that do oh, for sure. put their heart and soul and their passion into the industry. And, and it's great that you've yeah. found so many of those gems to help you along the way with your with your business. And it sounds like you're doing a similar thing and passing that back and helping oh, people definitely. through yeah. their own journeys as well and giving advice, which is really nice. Yeah, no, definitely. Look, I, I do get that quite often. Um, you know, I do have younger generation jewellers. Look, this day and age, my time is pretty slim. I, I've got to say, everything you see of Marazzo, uh, I'm a one-man band. I'm talking the advertisement. You're talking the making, the setting, the cutting, everything. You know, um, it's relentless. People go, "How do you do it all?" I say, "I've got a very supportive wife, uh, and <laughs> I don't sleep very much." <laughs> That's always the base. But um, yeah, no. Look, I think giving back's one thing. I think um. One thing I've learned is sometimes it's not always just the skill level to be able to tell people how to do stuff. Don't get me wrong. I'm always happy to feed through any advice on that level. But, um, you know, I think a, just a bit of support. I think we're a 
a lot of young jewelers coming through uh, do get a bit discouraged uh, is, you know, a lot of the uh, older generation of guys just aren't there to train anymore. The industry has sort of died off a, a fair bit over the years. I, over 21 years, I've seen where it's gone. Like I was sitting in a workshop for majority of my time where, you know, there were five bench jewelers that, you know, were minimum 20, 30 years of experience under their belt. Um, you know, my tradesman alone's over 40 years and his dad was a jeweler as well. So you're talking there's over a hundred years of, you know, jewelry knowledge of generation to be able to get to that now is so hard to find that experience, you know, but um, yeah, I think, I think there's uh, I think what's the word? There's a lot of longing to want to be in the industry, but not a lot of opportunity for people to break into it. You know, why do you think that is Michael? Why do you think people are, are reluctant to maybe take on an apprentice or to offer their skill sets? Why do you think it's so difficult? Look, I think this day and age, I think where I think a massive turn sort of came from it. Don't get me wrong. There's always been a mass manufacturing side to the industry. Um, that's been great. Don't get me wrong. I totally respect the new technology, CAD, all that. It's amazing, right? But um, I think where the industry really did take turn is, don't get me wrong, CAD came through. It's so efficient. It's so amazing that I feel like a, a lot of the handmade skill and that manufacturing side has sort of died off. And with that actually died off a lot of the, the, the tradesmen that were teaching it. I often like to say that, uh, you know, I look at our industry as like the head got cut off the snake. This is why it's so hard to find it now is, you know, retail. I see it from a retailer's point of view now because I'm a retailer. I see it from a jeweler's point of view as well. You know, from a retail perspective, you think about it, if this amazing technology comes through where you can cut your timeframes in manufacture, you know, your skill level to manufacture and take it at the door, it becomes more efficient. You'd be crazy not to jump on it, right? Yeah. Um, on the flip side of it is, Sue, you're talking you know, some of the people that I've worked with over the years, they're the most talented people I've ever met. They've given their whole life dedication to learn, you know, an art, a craft, a skill to do it at such a high level in handmade manufacturing where, you know, that's so coming. Kind of, they didn't want to clean up castings. They didn't want to see it there and just be assembly type people. It wasn't what they, their passion was. So I think, look, a lot of the head guys at the top, they either got out of it or, you know, just sort of gave up and just became whatever this is where it's all gone industry wise so look i think there was a lot of structure in the um what's it called the the apprenticeship side of it like I, when i went to tafe you know all those years ago there were four classes that were full of 30 people i haven't gone to the tafe these days but i don't think they even have a full class i think opportunity coming through why people to answer your question why people don't take on apprentices i think it's a costing side of it I think you are finding people multi-skilling a lot more where, you know, like myself, time is stretched a little bit thin, but, um, you know, it's financially beneficial may not be the go uh, for the level of time to, to train people. It may be tough, but on the flip side of it is, I think someone really has to take a deep jump in the water. And my mentality around Marazzo, why I created this, and believe me, I'm a one-man bear now. Uh, but look, based around Marazzo, it was a culture when I went out to build it where I didn't name the company Michael Mutatore Jewelers, although I did put my wife's last name and mine together because I always have the ongoing joke. If she leaves me, she takes half anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, flip side is, look, I didn't want to name it about myself. I really didn't want to make Marazzo all about me. Uh, look, I just wanted to go out to create a company that, you know, stood for what it was, a company that, uh, don't get me wrong, the companies I did work for were amazing. 
Uh, loved it, left on good terms with all of them. Uh, best thing is, it's just a company that I wake up every day and say, I'm pumped, I want to go to work and have a bit of fun, you know. Um, you know, it's a team of people, not just one, where people have their own identity to create and basically put out the door and give them that freedom. I think freedom around design and creation and doing that is what really makes jewelers thrive. Um, I have to say that's probably what made me sort of leave in the end is, Every jeweler wants that little bit more to take to say, this is what I envision and want it to be. You know what I mean? So you're clearly passionate about making jewelry in the industry. And like, I, I see some of the pieces mentioned in yeah. competitions and things like that. So like what challenges you to keep inspired and passionate about, or is it just, it's in your blood and comes naturally for you? I'll be honest. Look, Brett, to, be, to say passion for me, look, I think I'm just a naturally creative person. I think I've been doing this for so long in my life, like 21 years, starting as a 15-year-old kid. Like, I think jewellery, this industry, is as much part of me as I'm part of it. Um, you know, I, I'll tell you now, but, you know, people say to me, like, what would you rather do if you weren't a jeweller? I look at what I do every day. I say, what more would I want to do? I get to wake up every day. If I, if I could show you, don't get me wrong, I know we're on podcasts, we can't see the video. I'll show you guys where I'm up to, what I'm doing. And even from, you know, your perspectives, knowing the industry, you'll go, shit, man, you, you're living the dream, brother, you know, like <laughs> on a creative level, you're doing things that, you know, are unseen. Like, uh, Laura, I was saying, you know, I was saying to Brett when I spoke to him um, this week, uh, that current morning, I had to sort of um, say, Brett, I'll have to call you back in the afternoon because I had a client come through. So I, I, uh, this year I started a joint partnership with uh, the Australian Natural Sapphire Company. So it's um, a private backer that's basically come in with growing sapphire rough, not to mention it was mined in the 80s, uh, hasn't been cut still in its raw state. So how did that yeah, yeah. come about, Michael, with the Australian Natural Sapphire Company? Oh. Did you did you approach them or did they approach you? Let's put it down <laughs> to fate, Laura. I've got to tell you, and in saying fate, basically the beginning, I've only been cutting for eight months. So from eight months oh. to now, I've cut over 40 sapphires, uh, 40 sapphires. And I'd say I've made, um, I've made, I don't even, I'm talking 40 pieces of stock. Like high end. I've made, let me just put a number on it. I've made over a million dollars worth of retail stock in the last eight months. That's me cutting stones, hand making the jewelry, setting every stone all the way from start to finish. Uh, 80% of the stock that I've done has been hundred percent manufactured from that raw Australian sapphire. Uh, flip side is how I came into this venture is eight months ago, I embarked on the journey to learn how to cut. The story's even funnier. A friend of mine, Anthony Fitzgerald, um, embarked to say, well, mate, do you want to learn how to cut? I said, done deal. So there was a bit of a, there was a, bit of a deal around it. Um, he wanted a ring for his partner for um, Christmas the following year and basically said... <laughs> Mate, I want to get a ring for Kathy. I said, yeah, no worries, Anthony, no drums. He goes, I haven't got any money to pay you, though. <laughs> I said, geez, man, what's this? <laughs> you know, I laughed. And I knew there was a kicking point. He said, uh, in exchange, you know, can you give me your service and I'll set you up on a fastening machine and I'll, I'll give you the pleasure of showing you how to use it. I said, mate, Anthony, like everything I could ever know in this world, if you get an opportunity for someone to open up, you know, he has over 30 years of cutting experience to show you a new skill. I shook his hand on the spot and said, done deal, man. Let's do this. So that was that. Made the ring, gave it to his partner. You know, the, the start of the year started. And, uh, you know, I was on Christmas holidays. 
naturally like every jeweler I got past the uh, holiday away with the family and started itching again getting a bit bored and antsy I'm like Anthony where's this machine I've got to get on and start cutting you know and um, I'm basis of so Anthony got me in he got me machine he came through as everything he promised and basically I had my uh, machine ready to go and I started doing one-on-one lessons with him so uh, the owner of the company that was based around this was getting Anthony. He's one of the cutters that's involved in, in behind, you know, cutting some of the stones for the venture. Uh, he walked in one day while I was doing the lessons. We crossed paths and basically we introduced each other. So that was that. Um, I said, cool, mate. You haven't come out to the shop, come out to the shop. And basically we'll have a chat there and, and we'll talk more about what you're doing. But I sort of knew about the gentleman behind and, to be honest, I was sending him in everyone else's door. Um, I hadn't dealt in a lot of Australian sapphire or um, if someone asked me, do you do Australian sapphire? I said, it's not my thing. Yeah. Uh, so like everything, I, I, it just wasn't something I did. So I didn't really understand the opportunity behind it. But, you know, I have good friends in the industry that I thought, you know, this would really benefit. I know they really work down these avenues. And um, on basis of that, you know, I was trying to open up doors to, to get the opportunity and think I could help anyone out. Um, mm-hmm. The flip side was, you know, don't get me wrong, went around, met people, all those doors. When he eventually walked in mine, um, he said, mate, look, everyone I've seen, they're all amazing people. I thank you so much for the contact, but I'm really looking for someone that I can jump behind this. It's really going to grab this with both hands um, and basically run and take it to market uh, in, the, in, in a big way to really give it an identity um, and put everything behind it. And once I finally realized what was behind this venture was, and mm. I'm talking like 45,000 carats of uncut top quality, rare Australian sapphire goods that, you know, as I said, have been mined from an area that you can't even get to and mine out of anymore. Um, and I said, holy shit, okay, too. cool, man, let's yeah. do this. I was just going to say it's wonderful too that you're really promoting Australian mind and even from like back in the 80s, but Australian source mm. product, therefore, you know, it brings this whole other level to yeah. the ethical sourcing and, and local manufacturing. It's really great that you've been able to forge that partnership because it's a really, and, and Australian sapphires are so on trend right now as well. So obviously that's part of oh, the definitely. work that you guys have been doing to create some of that trend and that desire for the product, but um, it's yeah. uh, hopefully it continues for Australian product. Well, definitely. Look, I think my biggest thing that I've taken on with this joint partnership, like um, I'm not sure if you have looked at Mirage and seen some work I've been putting out there, um, Australian Natural Sapphire Company. If you look at the website, you know, the level of what we're trying to show Australian Sapphire to be, because I think, look, the public eye is, is a misconception of what Australian sapphire is, you know, like uh, they think it's dark, it's blue, it's inky, has no life, all that sort of thing. Look, there's a reason behind that. Um, look, I'll say that most of the top quality Australian sapphire goods, they don't stay in the country. Um, you know, look, basically this uh, big uh, cutting factory, some Thailand, and that, they go direct to mine. They buy everyone out. The best of our material leaves the country, it goes out and half the time it's sold for something that's beautiful as any girls that's not Australian because it just like fetches up. We source, isn't it? Like everything we produce yeah. goes overseas first. The best lobster, the best fish, the best. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's the thing, you know, look, for me, even for what I'm looking at, I'm looking at Australian sapphire and the raw material. I'm going, really? Australian sapphire? Wow. But Laura, you got to understand, like even 21 years in the industry, when would I ever get the ability to see, you know, top quality Australian sapphire and the raw material? No one ever gets the ability to see it. Um, it, it just, 
we uh, the hardest thing for me is to give Australian sapphire the identity identity that it's basically as beautiful as any sapphire in the world. Um, take to market what we have behind it, the rarest stuff, this and that. It's it's building up almost a reputation around it. Thank you, Mary. Wrong. It has got a reputation, a good one, but you know, a true reputation and value around it. Where look, I hope Australian sapphire can get to a point where. It's fetching the quality dollars that, you know, the people like I've had miners even reaching out to me, small scale miners, you know, congratulating me and saying, mate, keep up the good work. What you're doing is basically great for all of us, you know, because you got to understand these guys dig day after day, you know, trying to, you know, find that one of a kind gem or that beautiful piece. And then, you know, getting priced down to have to sell it for, for nothing, you know, like it's awesome. sad to see, but yeah. It kind of shows even for yourself, you know, like to begin with, you you weren't sure you wanted to work with it. Like it's, it's been education for yourself and now that's got to be passed on to the, the general public and retailer as well. The oh, definitely. The quality of the products we do have here. It's, yeah, I commend you on it, like pushing an Australian product. It's always nice to see the top end stuff staying in the country. Like you say, it's not being yeah. to the, the higher dollars overseas. No, definitely. Well, look, the, my key thing is, where I think this venture works perfectly in hand is, Brett, it's like we, the, the gentleman behind us isn't just trying to sell the raw material. He's not just trying to sell a cut gem uh, to retail point. We're taking what we have. We're throwing everything behind it to basically say, pull out the best of the best. Yeah. Uh, me bring my talent behind it to do what I can do with it uh, and basically take that to market in a way that, mate, the world's going to go, man, Australian Sapphire, what the hell? This guy, he's a wild man. Like, <laughs> man, I gotta tell you, I can't, I, won't, I can't show you, man. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I can't show you what's on my bench right now because it's like it'll ruin the surprise of it. But you know, I got a, a sixteen point seven five carat party Australian sapphire that I'm working on the piece for. Um, it's just nuts. Like yeah. you gotta understand, it's that's my hand. It's bigger than my finger, you know. And Laura, <laughs> one thing around my products and what I'm doing right now is being a cutter, a handmade jeweler, a gem setter, hundred percent all the way through to market. Uh, I've taken a point where me cutting my own stones has changed my mindset on how I design. Wow. Yeah. My inner, I got to tell you, if you saw behind the scenes of some of the stuff I'm doing, you're going to go, man, you're, you're nuts. <laughs> like, yeah, it's an innovative product. I got to tell you this. Like, I'm yeah, taking well, you're, not, you're not limited by the, the gemstones that are available, aren't they? Like, no. 100%. Cut yeah, to yeah, design yeah. and design from word go and, from the gemstone right the way through and your designs are so beautiful michael like they're really gorgeous i remember seeing some of the shots i think it was first on young jewelers group but um then also on your instagram page and you know obviously your photography is stunning i'm not sure if you outsource all of that but it's just it you do it all yourself <laughs> i do it all man you i told you i'm a one-man band <laughs> well you do very well with your photography um i'm guessing that the model's hand isn't yours though because it's, it's no a, i was dainty it was <laughs> Don't make um, me go get the wig out, Laura. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a beautiful, like beautiful shots and and beautiful product, and they are so um, so ornate. Some of the products that you've that you've designed, they're really beautiful, and definitely the the accents of the diamonds and the metal uh, really enhance the cut and the shape of the sapphire that you've got as the hero stone. It's very evident that you are changing, well, not necessarily changing your design, so I'm not sure what you were like before this, but um, but you've definitely adapted your design process to uh, to really hero that stone, which is is very evident. Oh, definitely. Michael, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you and, um, and uh, hope 
hopefully we'll we'll be able to keep in touch and, and keep watching your your um, advancements in uh, Marazzo. It's been amazing. No, thank you very much. No, yeah. look, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, it, it is a pleasure. And, you know, look, my main thing is I really am advocating very hard for Australian products. The industry, um, I'm a stubborn bastard that will just not let go of the old school way that I've been taught. But, um, look, you know, there are young people coming through and I really hope that um, I can get Marazzo at a point where I can start bringing some of this, you know, young talent and re-inject, you know, the, the passion that I have behind the industry into some of the, the, the young people coming through and give them that real taste and positive experience to turn out some uh, quality and amazing craftspeople, you know. Yeah. So you're, you're inspirational, Michael. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for joining us today and uh, we'll keep in touch and, of course, follow you online and watch where things go over the next year or so. No, 100%, guys. Thank you so much for having me. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to catch up again. Let, let's give it six months and see where we go, all right? Yeah. No worries, Brett. <laughs> when, I make it, when I make it big time, we get some of those um, big celebrities on, I'll yeah. do this podcast, you get the exclusive, all right? Beautiful. <laughs> love it. Done <laughs> deal. All right. from. Thanks, Mark. Uh, that's it. Never, mate. Never forget where I come from. I've got a wife <laughs> that'll slap me otherwise. <laughs> no, nah, guys, take it easy. Thanks for having me, eh? Thank you so Thanks, much. Michael. Thanks for joining us on the Jewelers Podcast. To find out more about how you can be part of the Jewelers Podcast, head to our Facebook or Instagram page. And don't forget to register for the Jewelry Industry Virtual Fair at www.jewelryindustryfair.com. See you there.